ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones Sport Tiger Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Got a big show on tap, and uh, we'll hear from Coach Bo coming up later. We'll talk plenty of NBA playoffs today, NFL conversation, Big 12, uh, and more. Of course, we'll have Tom Fullery coming up at the end of the show as well. Thomas Bridges back here this week. He is awakened up. We have uh, awoken the beast as uh, he's here with us. Uh, and Tom, welcome back. Uh, you and I this week uh, headed to live golf in uh, my hometown of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at a Cedar Ridge Country Club this weekend. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to see what this uh, live golf is all about. I mean, a, a year ago at this time, it didn't even exist. And now here we are with uh, an actual event. We're going to get to see this firsthand. I'm very curious how this is going to go. Uh, and I've heard good things about it, too. I mean, I've heard it. Well, it, you know, you can be the uh, your own judge of it, if those out, you li- out there listening, because I've heard it's a, 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 a one big party. Whereas PGA, yeah, you have your drinks and things like that, and it's a little bit more laid back. I believe Friday Live Golf is having a full-on concert. I mean, it's it might as well be the NASCAR of golf events, right? It is the Talladega of, oh, boy, of, right, of right. golf. Slow your roll, slow your roll here. We're not putting. Oh, okay, okay. So it's more like maybe Kansas Speedway of of golf. Okay. Um, but yeah, and and from what else I've heard is there were in another country playing an event. And the golf course was so mad because I guess after the event and all the little uh, and all the sand bunkers, uh, they had to like rake out tons of beer cans. And I'm like, yeah, that's the golf America wants to see, baby. Raise hell, praise Dell, hit it with the four iron. Let's go. I mean, you think about it just logistically and being, you know, for the common man like we are, Tom. You know, the, the average dude wants to watch golf, enjoy themselves, have a good time, you know, hang out with boys, do their thing. And you, you go to these, and, and granted, I'm not trying to do PR here for live or or anything anti-PGA. Don't don't get me wrong here. I don't have a dog in the fight in this. Um, let me make that clear before I say what I say going forward. Um, you know, I think what live and live's got a long ways to go they gonna still win a lot of people over i mean their tv ratings suck um you know they have some convincing of people still to do with their connections to the the saudis and everything like that but one thing i do like probably more than anything else they've done is the appeal the attraction to the common man of hey you know what? We're going to have everybody on the course at once. You can wear shorts if you want. We're going to have music uh, playing at the golf course. We're going to enjoy ourselves, have a good time. We're going to have some cold beers and all that. You know, I mean, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. You go to a PGA Tour event and, um, you know, it is, you know, very kind of uppity elitist type. Proper, very proper. Proper, yes. So, Although I haven't technically been to a live event yet, I, I give credit for them of kind of getting golf out of its comfort zone of sorts. Oh, very much so. And, and you know, I think that's welcomed, you know. 
Um, I'm ready for it. Um, it should always be that way. And you know what? What NASCAR does, I think, very well is, is you know, kind of uh, relate to the average American, whereas the PGA has always been very uppity, very exclusive. Live is kind of taking it to the next step of, like, everybody's included. You don't have to wear a fucking $100 polo to this bitch. You can wear a T-shirt and gym shorts and get drunk with us. It, it, you know, you as long as you like hitting the golf ball, baby, we're here for you. You right. know, and so I'm not a shot at PGA by any means, but I mean, I'm telling how it is, you know, right. you know, live is for the fellow working class American and PGA is for the drive of, you know, a fucking Range Rover and have a country club membership. And if you don't, then fuck off. Yeah. I mean, that's how, am I wrong? Yeah, for the common man, right. Live is for the common man. And I don't trust me, I'm not going to the bed. I'm not going to bed with Saudis. Okay, I might work for an oil and gas company, but I'm not going to bed <laughs> with Saudis. Okay. Um, you know, it, I mean, uh, congrats to the fucking Saudis for capitalizing on what should have already been capitalized on a long time ago. Well, and Think about this, too. So you got the Byron Nelson is going to be going on this weekend where I live here in Dallas. And the Byron Nelson, traditionally speaking, is a pretty big event. But sounds like a wrestling uh, with the PGA championship going on next week. um, Most of the PGA Tour guys aren't going to play this week because they're getting ready for the uh, PGA next weekend in New York. And so the field of Byron Nelson isn't going to be that great. Uh, in all honesty, live this week has a unique opportunity, Tom, where not only are we glad for us, for Tulsa to get to host and for Broken Arrow specifically, they get to have this live golf event. But the the biggest golf event in the world, the most talented field in the world this weekend is going to be the live golf event in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Um, these live guys, I like the way they've set up of that everybody plays every single week. Everybody's in pursuit of a championship. This whole team concept and all this where every week matters. You don't get that in the PGA tour right now. No, you definitely don't. And, 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 you know, for our Oklahoma zone, uh, yeah, there you go. Oklahoma zone, um, Fox 23. No, but, um, you know, shout out Taylor Gooch, Oklahoma kid. Yeah. Did his own charity thing. He's won the last two live events. He's going for number three. And it's a damn uh, shame he's getting screwed by the USGA and the US Open right now. I mean, yeah, he's a hell of a player. And, you know, we'll have what? You heard about that? Oh, yeah. It's pretty crazy. He didn't talk about it. Uh, I mean, I, he's he has a little, you know, live might like to have fun, but they still have a little tact. Right. Yeah. But no, I heard about that. Yeah, that's that's a whole different story. That you you could even call it Tom Fullery a little bit. Yeah, you could. Um, but uh yeah, Liv's gonna be a good time this week. I'm looking forward to it. Don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of Bud Light consumed, but there will be plenty of alcohol consumed. 
um, this weekend, and we're going to enjoy ourselves and uh, have a good time out there in BA. Hopefully, the rain will cooperate. And uh, we we were just we were just talking to my buddy Jeffrey Cooperstein, uh, who I work with at Chad Sports. Um, he's the uh, the son of uh, of uh, the voice of the Mavs, uh, Mr. Cooperstein himself. And uh, Coop has this theory that when it rains, when they say it's a 30% chance of rain, that it means 30% of the area is going to rain instead of it being that it's a 30% chance of happening. And so this weekend, Tom, with the weather that's projected this weekend there in in BA with with the live event, we're going to put that theory to the test, I guess. Yeah, I don't know what the percentages are right now, but it's like around uh, seventy as of right now. Well, that, that you know, if we're living up to Cooperstein's theory, then that's not really any good news for us because BA is not that big. And uh, you know, if we don't see any rain this weekend, it'll be a blessing. Um, you know, Mother's Day also this weekend. Oh yeah, and the uh, reason I'm coming home this weekend, I forgot about that. Yeah. He, he, he uh, yeah, that's the sports mind of Tyler Jones. You're looking live in, folks. Forgot about Mother's Day. He's like, well, you know, I really, you know, I love Lisa, but. <laughs> but live. <laughs> live, but, you know, viva lo live. Um, no, it's gonna Hang out with Phil. He screwed us over last year, not coming to Tulsa. Now he's back. Exactly. We're going to have a hell of a time, and uh, I'm excited for it. And uh, excited to go. I've never been out to Cedar Ridge either, you know. And and from what I understand, it's a pretty nice course. Is and maybe it's not no Southern Hills, but um, I've heard great things about the uh, hospitality there. Okay. Heard great things about the bar, and I've heard great things about the restaurant and the food. Okay. Um, and from what I've seen, watching the news every night, uh, just the live coverage. They the thing they Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma's own. It looks uh it, it looks they've done it upright, it looks like. Okay. I'm looking forward to being out there. Should be a good time. Should be good to see uh Tom and our uh, our whole gang this weekend there at the uh live golf event in Tulsa and then uh leading into the PGA next week. And one more thing on this, Tom. Um so when you w- went back and looked at the Masters. There was this thought that the live guys were going to have a disadvantage of that they were playing a live event prior to playing in the Masters and that they weren't going to get the uh, practice rounds the week before there in Augusta and the rest and all that before playing the Masters. Sure enough, you had of the top five, three of them were live guys, so it didn't really make a difference. Now you got most of the PGA Tour guys not playing in the Byron Nelson this week and taking the week off and, you know, getting ready for the, uh, the PGA championship the following week, uh, comparably speaking, you're going to have all these live guys playing in, in, in BA this week. Um, I, I, I hope, um, and, and like I said, not, not a fan for live or the PGA tour one way or the other, but I, I hope, I am grateful that Liv is coming to Tulsa, and as a result of that, 
I hope the live guys do well and hold up their own the following week in the PGA Championship. The Ty- Taylor Gooch, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka, these guys that they uh, that they show up and show out. I, I want to see them benefit and, and do well after after giving Tulsa their time the week prior. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty epic. And you know, I will say, being a Tulsa resident, being here for it, just even in the week prior and being out and about. I will say last year seemed way more, and this is not a nod to PGA either, but last year seemed way more epic in the, and, and I know Liv's growing, but it last year was way more of a buildup. Though, right. Well, I mean, you're comparing a major championship to a Liv event. I mean, that, that would well, be, no, the fairer comparison would be if it was to a PGA Tour event. Right, right. No, I understand that. But at the same time, I'm like, I think I'm going to have more fun this weekend than I did at the PGA. Yeah. They will, well, if it does not rain. That's true. If it doesn't get rained out or some other bullshit. I, from what I've seen, I am expecting this weekend, like, it's more of like a, I don't know. Like I said, Liv seems to, uh, you know, cater to the to the fellow man. Right, you know, like that's just what it seems like. And from what the coverage I've seen, I'm like, okay, this live tour is just going to be. It's it's just like a, it's it's just like if me and you and Jose and whoever else went out and got on a golf cart and filled a cooler full of beer and, you know, fucked around for four hours. You know, that's just. I mean, that's how it feels, and I'm I'm expecting it to somewhat feel the same way, like. Still classy, but at the same time, not being overly like, okay, we get the history behind it and how prestigious, but I expect we're, this we're, to be. We're going to F around and find out. Yes. Yeah. And I'm trying to. I like it. I like it. Uh, Tom, let's, uh, let's shift gears, talk NBA playoffs now. Uh, tonight's action the Warriors beat the Lakers. 121 to 106 to keep that series alive. Lakers lead it three games to two. Tom, we've seen the Warriors come back before. Are they going to pull this off and come back from down 3 1? I'd still say no, but if anybody I'm could gonna, do it, it'd be this team, right? I'm going to say yeah. And Good. part of the reason I say yeah, did you see the Instagram post? Do you know which one I'm talking about? I did not. The dog hits the basketball. The owner tosses it up. The dog hits the ball. Well, he's gotten every single game right so far, and he has the Warriors winning 4-3. to three. He had the Lakers up 3-1. This dog did. I'll find it and send it to you. But this dog has predicted every game of the series right so far. You're doing it based off a dog instead of your own instincts. A good-looking dog, okay? Tom, and, Tom, Tom, and the well, I'm I'm saying it's like a like not like a good look. I'm not attracted to the dog. Like, I'm talking, <laughs> not, not where I was going with that, but okay. okay. Like I was like, no, I mean it's a, this you know this dog's got some class, baby. It's, it's a it looks like a golden retriever. You know he's 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 got some swag, Dad, and uh, he's gotten it all right so far, and I think. If anybody can do it, it's going to be Steph Curry and the Warriors. Give me the Warriors in seven, baby. 
Uh, AD had to leave the game in a wheelchair. Uh, Are you surprised? This guy can't catch a break. I mean, yeah, he's, he needs to burn some sage or something. <laughs> he needs to, yeah, he, he needs to do something, man. He's got to, he needs to go see like an, at this point, he needs to see like an exorcist. Um, we saw in the last series, it was so tough for the Kings to put the Warriors away. And the Warriors ultimately came back and win, won that series. Now here we are again. Lakers are up 3-1. They lose this. Tom, what, what makes the Warriors so tough? Why are they so hard to put away in these series here? It's it's, uh, it's Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. It's Clay and Draymond. Jordan Poole's got there. I'll tell you who's, the, who's an underrated if they make it to the finals and somehow win. Give me Looney, baby, as an underrated dark horse for finals MVP if they make it that far. Uh, Looney has been one of the most underrated players in this postseason or really even in the last half half the season. Kevin Looney has been incredible, um, not only just for his basketball IQ, but for, for his, the plays he's made, he has however many offensive rebounds. He routinely puts his body on the line. I fucking hate the Golden State Warriors more than the next person. Uh, uh, not more but, than me, but okay. Kevin Looney is a goat. He is. He is. He is a new age, bigger, bodied, more physical Boris Diaw. He is him. Uh, Kevin Looney is a god right now, and 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 but he's not. You know, and, he, and you never hear Kevin Looney in the news. He's not bitching like Draymond. He's not causing a scene. He's not acting a fool. He doesn't get in trouble. He doesn't really foul out. Kevin Looney is the new Iguodala. He is the Boris Diaw. He he is the new age Boris Diaw of the 2014 Spurs that played the beautiful basketball against the Heat. He deserves a whole lot, but he's very selfless. I I wish he was on the Spurs. Kevin Looney is the dark horse for the Finals MVP. You've heard it here first. If the Warriors somehow figure out how to do it and go back, Kevin Looney deserves everything. Yeah, he uh, he's something else for sure. So you like the Warriors to come back and win the series. I think the Lakers find a way to win one, but we'll see. Meanwhile, the uh, Knicks survive, lived to see another day. They were on the brink of elimination, but uh, they get a nice win over the Heat, 112-103. to and I mean, Jalen Brunson was terrific with 38 points uh, in that win. And Julius Randle with 24 points. Uh, if you're a Knicks fan, and I work with a Knicks fan, uh, Chad Sports Marshall Green, so I hear about this all the time. If you're a Knicks fan, Tom, like it is a love hate relationship with Julius Randle. And I mean, with Julius Randle, when he's on, he's on, and the Knicks win basketball games. But when he plays bad, um, I mean, the Knicks lose. And, you know, this whole series, up until this last game, Julius Randle had not played well. I mean, they they, they got to have Julius Randle show up every night for them to to have a chance here. And, and I mean, not to point blame at one guy, but, I mean, I don't find it a coincidence that, they were just about to get eliminated 
uh, until Julius Randle finally stepped up. Yeah, and you know what? He had a great second half of the season and, you know, had great first round and, you know, kind of is kind of has disappeared here. But, you know, the Heat, oh, and we talked about it, you know, we talked about the Heat's previous run. And I think, to be honest and to be fair to others, I think we kind of d- dismissed the Heat because we thought the Bucks were so good. Right. And but now the Miami Heat, I, I did mention that I will say this to credit myself, Jack myself off here a little bit. Whoa. Bonk. I I have said Eric Spolstra is the most one of the most underrated coaches in the whole league, if not the most. Um he's incredible. And Jimmy Butler has been incredible. Um and should have never doubted the Heat. They had that they they got that dog in them, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? They got that dog in them. He wasn't here last week, but he was listening. Um, yes. I mean, I swear. Um, I mean, Butler's been incredible. You know, they got that that dog, Jimmy Butler, right? You know, playoff Jimmy. Uh, you know, he's I, – I, I think if he hasn't already, Jimmy Butler's going to be a Hall of Famer just based on what he does in the postseason. He's one of the best postseason players in the entire league. Um, with that said, I, I, I look at that that heat team Tom, and you know just trying to fix some things and what they could do differently here i mean they're up three two lots going good for them just to be in this spot but you you rely on way too much on kevin love i think kevin love is not the guy he was five six years ago he goes two for ten from the field oh for seven from three in their loss on wednesday night once he missed the first three or four, you got to tell him to stop shooting. You can't let Kevin Love take all those shots. I, yeah, you are you are right. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's definitely not the player he once was. But you know, he's kind of. I mean, it must be a UCLA thing because uh, obviously Russell Westbrook's sitting at home right now watching. So after all must- the bricks he threw up, yeah. Yeah, it must be a UCLA thing. Maybe, maybe so. Um, other uh, NBA action. Uh, let's catch uh, you up to speed on of uh, the way things uh, look here. Thursday, we'll see the uh, Celtics and the 76ers. Philly leads that series three games to two. If the Sixers win, they will advance the conference finals for the first time since 2001. They had a 115-103 win over the uh, Celtics on Tuesday night. Um, Tom, this uh, this series here, um, you know, you you look at Embiid, he's supposed to be a game-time decision. Um, if if Embiid's a full, full go, Philly's at home, you put him away right here. Um, but – the door think, is still open and still right there for Boston here with this Embiid injury. I, I think it's going seven. I think it's going seven. And we've talked about this, Jones. You can vouch for me here. How many times have I said the NBA is low-key about storylines? Uh, several times. I, I say it all the time. If I was a betting man who had money to throw around just for shits and gigs, I'm putting 
you know, depending on what the depending on what the margin is here, I'm putting money on Denver Nuggets versus 76ers in the finals, specifically for this whole debate that we've heard for Embiid versus Jokic. And then I was on on Tuesday night. I was on the 76ers live with Chad Chat Senior. Chase Senior. You could, that's his nick that should be his new nickname. Chat Senior. Yeah. Chase Senior and your boy Coop. And Coop told me that there is a big chat sports office debate between Jokic and Embiid right now. Yeah. Uh, I am very much an Embiid guy. I mean, yeah, you pay you, you bastard. <laughs> but I, I look at, you know, Jokic, this is a guy that traditionally speaking, granted he's played well this postseason, but traditionally speaking, we've seen that his numbers uh, tend to get inflated, taking on bad competition in the regular season. Then he folds in the postseason. Um Embiid shows up every single night, gives it his all, and uh, I like Embiid better than Jokic, but I think they're both very good players. We'll see. We'll talk about the Nuggets here in just a second, but this Sixers and Celtics series, um, I think something tells me don't count out Boston yet. That's what I'm saying. I think it goes seven, and I think at that point, game seven is a toss-up because of how bad Boston has been at home. It's it's kind of incredible. Right? Yeah, we'll see. Nuggets this, Yeah, that that series deserves a game 7. Like this this game deserves 5 more minutes. Right? Uh Nuggets and Suns. Let's uh let's talk about that uh series here. Um started out with the uh Nuggets Winning the uh, the first two games in that series, then the Suns responded. They won two games, and now the Nuggets responded, winning Game Five, three to two. Uh, so so far, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong here. The home team has won every game in this series. So, based on that logic, uh, Denver's going to win in seven, right? Well, even not based on that logic, I'm going to do you one better. Okay. I think that I think the Nuggets put them out here in games in in Game Six. I think the Nuggets win the series four two, and and to be honest, as much as it hurts, I know Chris Paul's went through some stuff, and I know this team hasn't gelled fully. I'm very interested because I think I think the Nuggets will put them away in six. I'm very interested how the Suns approach Monty Williams. Yeah. I think they could maybe give him one year with another year under his belt with KD just because the cohesiveness isn't really gelled. Um, but would not be shocked to see him get the Mike Budenholzer treatment. It's as cutthroat as ever right now. I I wouldn't doubt it. If if Monty if Monty Williams and the Suns get that ass beat in game six. Monty's going somewhere else. Yeah. And I know Chris Paul's been hurt, but there's really no fucking reason. I well, mean, this- and, um, I mean, you look last year, I'm sure, you know, I know they went to the finals a couple of years ago and everything, but 
when they got their ass beat by the Mavs in that game seven last year at home. In, oh, that's uh, embarrassing. Finals. And then if they lose embarrassingly, um, eventually you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, when's enough's enough? I I mean, yeah. I mean, I grant, granted Chris Paul's hurt, but they have so much talent. They traded away a lot of talent. Look at, look at, uh, Mikel Bridges, what he did with the Nets. I mean, they didn't do shit in the playoffs, but he got, he kept it up and got him there. You yeah. trade a talent like him away. And then you failed to make the conference finals, even at least, you know, I, I mean, Monty Williams seat's got to be a little hot. I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a great coach. I think some there's been some bad circumstances. Like I said, Chris Paul has been hurt, but does Chris Paul at this point kind of uh kind of fit the narrative? Like Charles Barkley played for the Suns too. It, it for Chris Paul right now, even with Kevin Durant too. It's now or never for Chris Paul. If it ain't this year, or you know, I'll be generous and say next year, Chris Paul won't ever win a championship. Yeah, it's becoming more increasingly obvious. And and Devin Booker, Devin Booker ain't got that dog in him. To be honest, I'll I'll <laughs> say it. He ain't got that. Devin Booker ain't got that dog. He wishes he did. Welcome to the bandwagon. That's what we were saying last week too. So he's uh, yeah he. Did have that dog. Let's uh let's talk some of Big Twelve now. Um, uh, got a, a few big storylines, both on the football and basketball front. Let's start with the basketball side. Uh, Bob Huggins embarrassed himself this week. Said just idiotic comments, homophobic comments uh, on a Cincinnati radio station talking about Xavier out of line. We're not going to repeat those here. Uh, I mean, if you haven't heard. I mean, you I have look it up. Huggy and... Bear. What? He said, Huggy Bear said, talk some shit. Yes. I, yes. I have he, not heard that. Um, He uh, he, he used a, 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 a homophobic slur to describe uh, the Xavier basketball fans dating back to when he was coaching at Cincinnati and the Crosstown showdown between Cincinnati and Xavier. But – as a result, uh, Huggy Bear has uh, agreed to a three-game suspension and a million-dollar salary deduction in order to keep his job there at West Virginia. Um, West Virginia, they did an incredible job this year in the transfer portal. They got a lot of guys coming back. There's a lot of hype and a lot of excitement uh, there. But, I mean, you look at West Virginia – you know, they've been good, but not great the last couple of years. Huggy's a Hall of Famer. He's going to, uh, you know, he's he's one of the best coaches out there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I look at it twofold, Tom. Um, for one, you know, Huggy, his alcohol, you know, problems and all that stuff. I mean, I, I wasn't surprised to hear what he said and considering what we know about Huggy. But but two on that end too uh, as well, I, I I think when you're Bob Huggins, a Hall of Famer in Morgantown, West Virginia, you can get away with a lot more stuff there in uh, West Virginia than you can other places. And you know, I know that there's going to be some people crying cancel culture and all this, and and I understand that. But 
in all reality, probably most power five programs would have fired Bob Huggins for what he said. And so whether you, you know, like the decision out of West Virginia or not, you know, if you thought it was unfair, whatever it may be, the truth of the matter is most places he wouldn't have a job right now. Huggy, um, I know it cost him a million dollars saying it twice, you know, uh, was cost him $500,000 for each time he said it. But at the end of the day, he still got a job and it's his own actions that got him into this situation. So, um, you know, those those type of guys like Huggy and others, it's a changing time. Like you're not going to get away with that stuff anymore. And, um, you know, he, he, he's lucky he's still around right now, in, in all honesty. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. And and if it had been any other college, maybe West Virginia, then maybe we're having a little bit different of tune. But I don't want to blame it on West Virginia, you know. I don't want to blame it on the country roads. But, um, you know, that being said, it's just like, oh, come on, Bob Higgins. Like, you do so much for your legacy and you've been on shows before, and then you stick to this level, it's like, oh, come on. Right. It, it, it's not like he didn't know better either. Oh, he definitely knew better than that, or he was, he's just drunk for sure. Right? Yeah. No other way around it. Like, Yeah. Um, I mean, you had uh, McDermott, the Creighton coach, a couple years ago saying the N-word in the locker room, and he took his suspension and he came back. But, I mean, th- th- this type of stuff isn't going to be tolerated. And, I mean, but there's twofold at it, too. Like, we always talk all the time, Tom, like, if you cause problems, if you cause issues, you can get away with a certain amount if you outweigh the problems you, you bring to the table. Exactly. Like, when, winning right is now, Bob Huggins outweighs his problems at least how West Virginia feels. Um, but if if Huggy has a disappointing year, especially with the high expectations they have coming coming into this next year, um, I don't see them keeping that door open forever for Huggy as far as that goes. I mean, it is, if he doesn't have a big year with all this going on, I mean, watch out. There's going to be a lot of pressure to, to go a different direction. Well, I mean, even at that point, you know, if he doesn't do good this year, this upcoming year, then you know what the best thing for him might be to ride off in the sunset. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be older than Greg Popovich at this point. Right. Or at least a little bit. Right. Um, Other uh, Big 12 stuff, uh, Hunter Dickinson from uh, Michigan announced his commitment to KU and uh, he was pretty honest about it. He said, look, uh, the reason why I went to Kansas, number one reason I went to them compared to other schools like Kentucky is their NIL collective offered the most money. He said that at Michigan, he wasn't making six figures and uh, that he is in Kansas and they're taking care of him. And uh, the NIL rules, Tom, your official NIL collective that's partnered with the university, that collective is allowed to make offers to recruits and transfer portal players uh, and and do negotiations. But outside of the collective, you can't negotiate or try to make deals or stuff like that. And so the report was that Dickinson 
directly got this money from the NIL collective at KU. Maastricht Collective is what it's called. Matt Beatty, former AD, assistant AD for KU, he runs the thing. Dan Beckler, former sports information director for KU, he's also in charge of it. They just hired uh, Matt Tate, sports editor from the Lawrence Journal World, to be a part of it as well. They're doing a great job with this NIL collective. And I know people are going to, you know, bat their eyes when they see Bill Self and buying players and stuff like that. But uh, as far as we know, KU used the system to their advantage and got an All-American caliber player uh, added to this team. Uh, I think that's a win. Kansas doing what everybody should be doing, taking advantage of their NIL collectives. Yeah, Jones, I thought Hunter Dickinson was one of the better players at Michigan over the past few years. And you know what? You know, the Fab Five brings a lot, but obviously didn't bring the money in after being so long. I thought, you know, like I said, Hunter Dickinson, I saw him play and I said, that's an NBA draft talent right there. That's a, you know, that's a top 10 pick at least, you know, like two years ago. So for KU to get him, um, he's kind of made it obvious. I don't know if you've read what he said about Michigan and about his move, but it just very NIL related. Yeah. And obviously he's, he's sounds like he's got the hookup, uh, there in Lawrence. Maybe we'll see his ass at 23rd street brewing. Maybe so. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited and it's going to be different Tom, because we've seen KU kind of do what NBA teams are doing of playing four guards or even five guards at times. And with KJ Adams coming back and now Hunter Dickinson to the fold, you're going to have the best big man combo in the country. And uh, I imagine they're going to kind of slow it down and feed the ball inside. I know Hunter Dickinson can be like a stretch four of some sorts, but in today's day and age, you know, having back to the basket basketball, um, I'm very curious to see how this works, how this goes. Yeah. Yeah, Jones, your buddy Bill Self is going to have to maybe change some things up, right? He's going to have to change up the game plan. But you get a player like Hunter Hunter Dickinson, I don't – at that point – and obviously KU has some great people come through, but that's a surefire talent. And you know what? This this KU team is – it feels like it's a little bit younger than it's been. Right. Right. you know, you take that, you take those two vets and you make that work. I think Bill Self can do that. I think he will do that. I think he's a good enough coach to make that adaptation. And uh, watch out. K is going to be stupid dangerous next year. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be like Tim Duncan and freaking the Admiral. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be unfair. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen Bill Self do a really good job of adapting to his personnel uh, of what he has at the table. So we'll see what Bill does with this case. But, Tom, think about this. I mean, you got Hunter Dickinson coming to KU, and, and Max Asmus from Oral Roberts is headed to Texas. Uh, oh, is he really? I didn't see where he went. Damn. I mean, watch out. I mean, you might have a couple or maybe even three first-team All-Americans in the Big 12 Conference this year. I mean, the, the race to be Conference Player of the Year between Dickinson and uh, and Smith, and then whoever else emerges is going to be incredible. I've got a root for Smith, man. Like, coming from a small college, we've watched him play. He, he single-handedly beat 
Ohio State a couple of years ago in the tournament. Uh, as much as I hate Texas, I got I got a root for that kid. That's a baller, right? Right. Um, so that'll be fun to see uh, how that goes on uh, that front. Uh, one football note: uh, former Texas quarterback, Nebraska quarterback Casey Thompson, also son of uh, OU legend. Uh, um, oh, uh, Mr. Thompson himself is uh, headed to uh, FAU to rejoin Tom Herman out there in those parts. Um, Tom, after after going to Texas and then Nebraska, I thought his next stop would have been to OSU to, to play for all of uh, OU's rivals there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. He'll. I think he'll be decent in FAU. They're not going to make a bowl game there. I, well, I don't uh, – maybe my I, – I don't know how to feel about that. He obviously wasn't working out in Nebraska. Never worked out in Texas. You know, like, eh, it's like, okay, is this, I guess this would be the third time. Third yeah. time's a charm. Yeah. He's uh, not going to make any – he's not going to make any waves, I don't think. But he's not a bad player. He really isn't. I don't he's, think – I agree. I bad situation. I don't think Casey Thompson's a bad player, but – I mean, he's been put into bad situations. Right, just got the short end of the stick every single time. Right, right. Um, and then uh, on three, uh, they did a whole thing on Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and, you know, I, I would say this, time, I know that we, we were kind of hard on Dylan Gabriel at times last year, but, I mean, he, he finished the year – and especially considering how much better he looked than than Bevel, who filled in for him when he was hurt. Dylan Gabriel turned it on, played a lot better football down the stretch. Uh, that offense was even as bad as Oklahoma was this past year. That offense was still a top 20 offense in the country this year. On three, he said that he's better than Spencer Rattler. And I know when you look at next year's draft class for – you know, the Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy and others here. Tom, I, I think if if Dylan Gabriel can get Oklahoma to have a bounce back here and if he can have a really good season, I think there's an outside chance that we might be underestimating Dylan Gabriel here, that he might have a shot to be a first-round quarterback. Jones, you're absolutely right. I do think he he has that, that opportunity and, and – be very interesting to see. I think we're like how many days away from the season? Like less than 120. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we are coming into obviously what we love to call draft random shit season. But <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm ready for that. I am ready for that. But I'm also it's it's we're it feels more real now. We're we're getting closer to the dates. I haven't had any season ticket offers come through. Um, to buy, I don't know that I will, but it's it's getting ever so closer, and there's there's just a lot to be excited about, and and I mean there are those there are those players that we look out for to have these big breakout type seasons, and and could be one of them. I mean, you think about Dylan Gabriel here, Tom. Last year, twenty five touchdowns, six interceptions, missed a couple games. Let, let's say, and you know, obviously his top target Marvin Mims is gone and Eric Gray is gone, but they have a lot of talent coming back on that Oklahoma team. 
They're expected to be much improved. Second year of Jeff Levy's system and everything here. If if Oklahoma can have a bounce back here, win nine, ten plus games, and if Dylan Gabriel can look great doing it, um, I, I think he he could he could skyrocket uh, going from completely below the radar, not talked about, to being you know a playmaker and a, and a high profile guy there and in twenty twenty three. I think he's. He, he's on the verge of being a, a breakout performer this year. I mean, if Brock Purdy can can manage Mr. Irrelevant and then run out um, Trey Lance, then sure. I mean, Gabriel could maybe do some things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's certainly possible. So, um, still more to come here on the Jones Report. Uh, Tom Fullery, uh, Coach Bo, and others. Uh, standing by. You will not want to miss it. Stay with us as we continue here on the program. Join us now on Zone Sport this week. Pleased to bring in Derek Haglund, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs and also uh, the University of Kansas. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at KU The Hill, and he joins us right now as we're talking about the NFL schedule release. And I got some more that we want to touch on with Derek here in a second as well. But Derek, uh, First off, thanks for joining us as always, man. Uh, the uh, the schedule release, uh, I, I got to say, credit to the NFL of even making the schedule release an event itself. I mean, the the 365-day-year calendar of the NFL, we go from, you know, the, the season ends to the combine, the draft, and now even the schedule release all day long following the leaks and everything here. Uh, I know that they announced it, you know, a couple hours ago since we recorded this, but uh, this was this was an all day thing. I, I love what they've done to make this even this an event of sorts that we're on our feet waiting for this to happen. Well, if there was ever any question about you know what is the dominant sport or entity in America, it's the National Football League, um, and it's just so funny because only them can they can only the NFL do they have a three hour schedule release show where the schedule has been getting leaked literally all day, but yet the NFL people are going to tune in on, on ESPN or the NFL network, um, you know, this, that, and the other to check the school, the, the, the schedule out. Um, even though, you know, by this afternoon, for example, like the chief's entire schedule had already been leaked or confirmed through other entities on, on what it was going to be. So you could piece it together and and go from there but I, I said to somebody today i go it's i go it's hilarious because the royals had a day game scheduled for thursday september 7th and it was supposed to be at one o'clock the nfl got them to move the game to monday which was their off day so that the chiefs in the nfl could have that day so if there's ever been any doubt the nfl owns not only sunday but they own Thursday and Monday, and they might start own, owning Black Friday as well now that this year um, they're adding in a Black Friday game, which I think is awesome. I, I think that's genius. Most places that aren't retail are off that day. So, you know, that's just another example of them dipping their toe into something else, and I, I think it's great. Yeah, um, I think so. Let's let's start there, just kind of like the these holiday, holiday games. Uh you know, Thanksgiving Day, you get Packers, Lions, Commanders, yeah. Cowboys, 49ers, Seahawks, Black Friday, Dolphins, Jets, 
And then on Christmas, we get the Raiders and the Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, Ravens, 49ers. Um, the, the one knock in the past when they've had these pre-scheduled games for holidays, usually there's some duds or some teams that don't belong. I look at all, all what is it, seven of these holiday games, and the, the one team that probably doesn't belong there is the Raiders. But even then, the Raiders and the Chiefs are one of the best rivalries in the NFL. Yeah, and and – and that's a great thing too for for the Chiefs that on on Christmas and the fact that they get the Raiders to come to Arrowhead and that'll be a run where in December especially for the Chiefs when they're a team that's looking to obviously repeat in the Super Bowl but not only that but hopefully get you know a win the division but b have home field advantage throughout the playoffs that's when the Chiefs are going to be in the middle of a three games out of four run where in December they get to play at Arrowhead so that's going to be huge. Um, and add into the fact too, that, I mean, you know, for most of us, we know that the NFL owns Thanksgiving and the NBA has always been the Christmas day entity and the NFL says, you know, fuck that. Um, we're going to dip our toe in that market as well. And I'm going to watch the NFL over the fact of watching the NBA. I love the NBA, but if there's football on, I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. Uh, I'll be watching those games as well over the, the NBA as far as I'm concerned. I mean, heck I was, Watching more concerned with the schedule release than these NBA playoff games. Personally. Right. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you want to know. You know who the teams are going to play. You, you just want to know the order, and then that's when you start to go down at, okay, well, you know, I like, you know, like for the Chiefs. Okay, you open up with Detroit, then you go to Jacksonville week two, then you've got the Bears at home, which I think is dumb because the Bears, you know, for some reason didn't want to go over and play that game in Germany or in Germany. Cause I think, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that the chiefs are playing the dolphins in Germany and the chiefs and Arrowhead don't get to have that return game of Tyreek Hill. Right. That would have been great. Like the, the fans are being deprived of that. I can't believe the NFL was dumb enough to sign off on that. I understand they don't want to put a dud game over there in the international series, but it makes no sense why you would put that game over there. When everybody knows what that means, especially with Tyreek Hill running his mouth this offseason about what he's going to do and this, that, and the other. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I understand you know, you can't put divisional games or stuff like that, but I mean, the Detroit game could have worked. Uh, the, yeah. The Bears, which is what a lot of people thought, but the Bears said no. Right. I mean, there's there's a number of options that could have gone uh, besides you know taking away that Dolphins game there. But uh, Derek, I, I know you're like me and in, in very interested in kind of the media side of things and the inner workings here. And and you know one of the things that I find fascinating is you know we're, we're creatures of habit where you and I our entire lives and our parents' lives have grown up with where. You know, one network had the AFC games and another had the NFC games. And for the last 20 years, the AFC games have been CBS and the the Fox games have been, uh, you know, the uh, the NFC. And now this year, that doesn't matter. That's all completely out the window. They're all interchangeable here. Uh, I mean, that, that that's kind of changed my viewing habit. But if it means we get better matchups on TV, I'm all for it. Well, and I think it not only means that, Tyler, but it means you have a chance at getting potentially a better broadcast crew. You know, if you go from having the number three team potentially um, on CBS to going to having the number one team on Fox with Burkhardt and Olsen, 
I would right. take that. Um, that's something that I'm definitely interested in um, in that regard, because it lets you know that not only does this mean it, it just means so much more to the network that's trying to take it because of the fact that they're swapping it and putting their number one crew on there. Now, I mean, you're going to have instances, I think, you know, say, for example, like with the Niners, with the Eagles and the NFC and, and, and say for the Chiefs and the AFC, a lot of those games are going to stay with that network because most of the time, especially if you're talking matchups like Chiefs Bengals, Chiefs Bills um, or anything like that, that's going to stay with CBS because they're going to put Jim Rome or, or Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call or you know, if you're talking, uh, obviously Eagles and, and, and the, the Niners or, you know, Niners Seahawks, you're, you're going to have Fox on that because those are two of the best teams in the NFC. Right. Right. Um, it's all drafted now. We're still going to see, you know, Nance and Robo during chiefs games, but we'll see Burkhardt and also a little bit more than we have in the yeah. past. So, and, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, I, I know that you you know Amazon pretty well and, and have past yeah. experience with Amazon. The idea right. that they're getting a game on Black Friday, I mean, yeah. just to, from a business side of things, with you know, for them when when they signed up to do Thursday night football, it was about getting prime subscribers. That was their number one objective. And it didn't matter what the ratings were last year, as long as they were increasing prime subscribers, that's what they were doing. And now Prime subscribers watching a football game on Black Friday and get to advertise all these deals here. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Bezos is is, is just going to be, you know, getting piles of cash on the side on Black Friday now. Yeah, and 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 that was a game too that when they announced it that the NFL was going to experiment and and do that, I thought that was a game where I'm like, oh man, like you would think like Black Friday national holiday. Sorry, you know, for all the retail people out there, um, you know, you still got to work. But um, I I would have almost bet everything that they were going to put the the Chiefs on there because it's just you know the magic of Mahomes and I, I was surprised that they did. I still think they have a good matchup, um, right. especially with all the college matchups we'll get that day too. But um, you know I, I'm surprised they didn't go with the Chiefs. But I mean Jets Dolphins if two is healthy that is going to be um, a really good game because of the fact that, you know, even though the jets have Aaron Rodgers, I still think they're the third best team in their division. Right. Right. Um, the, uh, some of these international games, how about the Jags playing back-to-back weeks and, and going over there, uh, Derek, something tells me that, that, uh, that Khan is, is doing everything he can to put that team oh. in position to be London's team eventually here. I, I think absolutely. I almost think already they probably are London's team. I mean, I know the Chiefs are trying super hard to be Germany's team. That's why they've got – that's why they're going to go over there in 2023. And then uh, I believe they're going to go over there in 2024 as well and play a game over there. So that will be very, very interesting um, to see what what happens with that. But, you know, I, I'm waiting to see – you know, we've had London and they've been doing that since 2007. And then obviously now they've expanded and they're going into Germany. I'm telling you, I think probably, Tyler, within the next five, maybe 10, 12 years, we're looking at a game being in Africa because Africa is the second most – the second – they produce the second most amount of NFL players. Yeah. I mean, with all the Nigerian lines and everything, you know, with guys like OCU Manyora, Christian Okoye, all those guys that have come from from that country. You might be on to something. Um, I never thought about that, to be honest. 
Um, I, I am surprised that we're not seeing a Mexico City game this year. Yeah, yeah, especially because that is a market that is 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 so close to so many different organizations and franchises in the NFL. You know, there's a lot of Chargers fans. There's a lot of Cardinals fans. There's a lot of Niners fans. There's a lot of Raiders fans in Mexico City. Um, there's a lot of Chiefs fans. Um, you know, they love soccer, but they also love American football. And so you would have thought that as big as those games were, I mean, I, I, I remember last year when, when I mean, they got to get the turf right, but yes, I mean, everyone should have that, that, I mean, Arizona's got that problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at the Super Bowl. Um, shout out to George Toma. Um, but you know, you look at it, and when the Niners played there, I, I can't remember who San Francisco played there this past year, but there was over a hundred thousand people at that game. Yeah, in Mexico City. So yeah, you, you make a great point. Um, I mean, Mexico City for some teams it's easier to get to than Seattle is. Uh, yes. So it's not a terrible trip. Uh, and you surprised. don't have to deal with the rain. Yes. Grunge uh, rock scene, not as big in Mexico City. Could be wrong. You never know. But willing to bet I'm right on that. Yeah, uh, I think so. So those are uh, a look at the international games, the marquee, uh, you know, holiday games of sorts. Um, and then, you know, just kind of looking at some of these, these primetime games here. You know, Sunday Night Football, we're going to see Cowboys-Giants week one. Uh, you know, we're going to see Bengals and Bills week nine, Chiefs and Jets week four, uh, you know, Cowboys-Niners week five. How about we finally are getting that Aaron Rodgers-Patrick Mahomes matchup? It was supposed to happen a couple years ago, and Mahomes got hurt. Then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers had COVID. COVID. Now we, we, we finally get it, knock on wood, week four. Yeah, knock on wood if you're with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's so funny. I was texting a buddy of mine today when that when that came out, and he was like, "Of course, New York is the city that that gets the uh, the State Farm Bowl." And he goes, "But let me ask you this: Which quarterback misses the game?" I was like, "Well, that might be around the time that Aaron Rodgers goes into a light retreat, um, so he might miss the game." Maybe so. You know, he did the darkness retreat, and then now he's going to go into a light retreat. Um, not sure how that would work. He'd probably have to wear sunglasses the whole time, like when you're in a tanning bed. Um, but, you know, he he may be the one who misses because of that. Um, the Monday night schedule, we're going to get – you know, last year we saw, uh, Derek, I think it was week two, Monday night football did yeah. the two games at once. One mm -hmm. was on ESPN, one was on ABC. We're going to get that three different times this year. Week two, yeah. the Saints, Panthers, Steelers, Browns. Week three with Eagles, Bucks, Rams, Bengals. And then week 14 with Titans, Dolphins, and Packers, Giants. I love it because that's yeah. – I know that some people are going to say, well, it's two games on at the same time. You can't watch both at the same time. Well, you're wrong. That's what having multiple TVs or going to a bar is for. There's a thing called split screen that most every TV can do. Yes, that too. Um, I mean, that's another game that we just wouldn't get to watch because it would be a regional game on Sunday. I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, you're going to be able to keep track and the fantasy value 
I mean, what if you've got guys going in that? What if you've got, you know, your quarterback going or your running back or a star wide receiver or something like that? It's just it's more eyes and the NFL knows exactly what they're doing. That is why they are the the product that they are. That is why, you know, you can't take your eyes off of them no matter what. You know, I, I got a buddy who's a huge baseball fan, and I said, I go, you know, if there's a, a Thursday night football game on or a playoff baseball game that doesn't involve the Royals, which we're a long way away from that, what are you watching? And he's like, oh, the NFL game. I'm like, see, that's, a, that's my point. Like, you're going to watch football over playoff baseball because even though your team's not playing on Thursday night, that's just what the NFL does. Right. Because they suck you in. It's like a drug. Just when you think you're out, they keep pulling you back in. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Um overall, when you you look at the schedule, uh, Derek, uh, I know the Eagles have the toughest strength of schedule in the league. Yeah. I yeah. felt like the biggest loser was the New York Giants having to play what is it of their first eight games? Seven are on the road? Yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't understand how something like that can can happen and where that goes. That that is just insane. I mean, it's gonna be great for them on the back end, but I mean the NFL is a league where if you get off to slow starts, it can really derail your season. And so the fact that the New York Giants will play one game in like the first eight or nine, um, on the road, that's just extremely unfair. I, I don't know if that was an oversight or what, but that should have been caught and that should have been changed. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Derek, uh, we got some time left, so I do want to ask you about what's going on with the uh, Kansas Jayhawks and Hunter Dickinson coming to town. Uh, no secret that NIL played a significant factor, the Maastricht Collective getting the job done here. Derek, uh, you've been following that situation. How did they – managed to pull this off and uh, get Hunter Dickinson away from some of these other schools that were making him offers? Well, the biggest thing is that, you know, $80,000 is a lot, which is what he was making at the University of Michigan. But I get it. When you're as big a school as they are, you should have more money to be able to throw around. Michigan's not a bad basketball program. They have tradition. They have history. I mean, they've played in in, in two national championships in the last 10 years. Um at the university of Michigan, but everybody knows. And the sad thing is, is that, you know, they are a football school first. Um, you know, the term Michigan man doesn't mean anything really for basketball. It's all about, it's all about what it means on the football field. And that played a significant role in Hunter Dickinson coming to Kansas, obviously the ability to learn and be coached under bill self and the potential that he'll be an all American because bill self loves to play through his big man and loves to play, you know, the high low type of game uh, was a huge allure to him. And I mean, bill self's a better coach than Jawan Howard, but you know, he's getting, he's, he's getting, you know, North of a couple hundred thousand dollars. We're talking a significant deal and difference because of the mastery collective and because People are willing to know because Kansas is a national product and a national brand. And the fact that, you know, they are just, you know, a year plus removed from winning a national championship. Um, so, you know, you, this is the way that college athletics are heading. If you don't like it, don't watch. Um, I love it. I'm all for it. I felt like kids for for over a decade should uh, be able to make money off their name, image and likeness. You know, they're going to watch Nick Saban's football team play on Saturdays. That's why they fill um, Bryant Denny Stadium on Saturdays. They're not going on Tuesdays to watch Susie Smith 
take a chemistry exam. That's where the money is. And these, you know, these kids bring in millions of dollars every year to it. And, you know, Dickinson's is a, is a guy who might not have a bright NBA future in terms of he's not a great rim protector. He's not super athletic. He's athletic enough in college. Um, he doesn't shoot it consistently enough for the NBA. And he's not as great of a passer as some of these bigs like DeAndre Ayton, you know, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. So why not come and play and make a ton of money in college off NIL at Kansas and fly in a private jet and eat at nice restaurants and do all these things as opposed to potentially, you know, on a two-way contract or bouncing back and forth between the G League. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. You make a good point. And, and, you know, when you look at what Kansas has in this NIL program with the, the collective and what these other universities are doing here, Derek, it's such a unique opportunity of, okay, mm-hmm. maybe I don't have the money to have my name on a building that's going to stand for 50 years. But if I can contribute 50, $100, $500, dollars whatever, and help bring a star player to my program, you know, and, and have an instant impact. I mean, you, you feel like you're, you're involved. You're, you're as invested as ever that you're, you're part of the team. Right. And it makes college athletics exciting. And it honestly gives fans something to talk about in the off season for college basketball, because you're following, okay, this guy's entering the transfer portal from the moment Hunter Dickinson hit the transfer portal and announced he was leaving Michigan Everyone was interested and everyone knew Kansas was going to be interested because of Bill Self. And everybody knew how much time and energy that Bill Self and Joe Dooley and everybody else on that staff put into getting him because they knew it was a perfect match. If there's ever been a perfect match for Bill Self, it's Hunter Dickinson and vice versa. And it just made way too much sense as soon as he announced it. And of course, you know, I credit Dickinson for keeping it quiet and playing it close to the chest and teams like Maryland thinking they had a chance. I knew he was never going to go to Villanova. Um, They're on a downward trend since Jay Wright left, but you know, Kentucky still might get Oscar Sheepway back. I, I, it just, as they've been saying, and we've been saying it's Kansas. It was always Kansas. It just made too much sense. Right. I mean, you think about it. I look at NIL this way, and and don't take this the wrong way, folks, but I'm going to go this direction here. I mean, some weirdos out there buy OnlyFans, right? I mean, (laughs) this is – NIL is like the college sports OnlyFans here. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Not what I was thinking where you would go, but I I understand it. I hope everybody else does too. I mean – and, and again, like, what does your subscription I, cost monthly? <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just going to throw money out there and this guy's going to be on my favorite team and he's going to win. Right. Games, you know what I mean? I mean, right. why spend money on OnlyFans when you can help your team win a championship? Right. And, and that's exactly what Hunter Dickinson did. He was the number one player in the transfer portal and he took Kansas from you know, I forget the website, but they have these things where um, it's kind of like Spotrack where you can go and how on Spotrack you can mess around with guys' money. Well, if I convert this and do that, they had it to where, okay, if you take a player from here and put him here, well, it had Kansas before they got Hunter Dickinson at preseason number eight. 
getting Hunter Dickinson took them to preseason number one. And then you add in the fact that um, they're most likely going to get McKenzie and Baco. Obviously it sucks that Ernest Uday's leaving. That one really does hurt. Um, that was a guy that was not expected to leave. I really thought he was going to stick around. No, he did. He didn't need to leave. And so it just, it just makes you wonder, but this is the day and age that we live in. Kids want playing time. And I mean, it was going to, it's going to be a challenge even with Mbako coming in. Um, next year, most likely that, you know, it's going to be hard for guys to find minutes. They're going to be a deep team, but Bill's not going to play 10 or 11 guys. So it's, it's just one of those things that this is where we're at. If you don't like it again, don't watch. I'm all excited for it. Hunter Dickinson makes this team a final four caliber, um, team that can cut down the nets and win a national championship. He gives them a lot of things that they, they don't have. And, and Tyler, we've talked about it before off, um, of the podcast bill self while he's been the head coach at kansas has never had a player with the skill set that hunter dickinson has as a big man joel Embiid morphed into this type of player that he is in the mvp um with the philadelphia 76ers in the nba he was extremely raw and did not really stretch the floor in his only year at kansas and he finished the season hurt right yeah that's a great point um yeah i mean Credit to Bill Self for what he's done, you know, basically retooling this roster pretty yeah. much from, from scratch with two two guys coming back, and now they're going to be the preseason number one team. It's just just phenomenal. Well, and, and, and look at Kansas State. You can go and revamp your team in literally one offseason, and your team can get better, and it, and it won't make a drastic difference. Fans, are you going to sit here – are K-State fans willing to sit here and say – they are not happy with how Jerome Tang turned their program around in one year and in his first season got him to the Elite Eight. Right. Like, this is where we're at because that can happen. You can literally go from being the doormat of the Big 12, which K-State was the last few years Bruce Weber was there, and being minutes away from going to a Final Four. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. And, and, and you know, this, this collective – Derek, you and I know some of the people involved in this thing. Uh, you know, Dan Beckler, Matt yeah. Beatty, Matt Tate. You know, these guys are working in this right. thing. And, and and I was thinking about it. You know, if if you and I weren't working the jobs that we did in the media, if we were, you know, hedge fund guys or whatever, if we were making you know decent, if we money, were running OnlyFans, right? <laughs> I mean. I, I would be I would be putting the money in the NIL collective. Uh-huh. I, I, would be, I would much more care about doing that, and being invested that way, rather than you know paying for some facilities or you know money yeah. going directly to the university. I, I'd rather see the kids get this. I'm glad that the, this this money is yeah. going this way. Well, it, I agree with you. The one counterpoint that I will make in terms of the facilities, especially on the football side, they need that. They They need the upgraded facilities. That's a big reason um, why Lance Leipold had that. But I would rather – I would want Devin Neal to be taken care of first. Right, and and I get that. And and I think we kind of live in a world right now too, and we're seeing it where Devin Neal can be taken care of, so can Jalen Daniels, and they can get the facilities because they are. Right. So there's plenty of money to go around. Granted, winning helps everything. If Kansas had gone three and nine last year, I don't think they're getting some of this stuff. I obviously don't think Lance Leipold gets a contract extension um, or anything like that, but winning cures all. Yeah, it does. Derek, uh, appreciate the time as always. Great conversation with you. Uh, Check him out on uh, Twitter at KU The Hill for more uh, Kansas coverage and Chiefs and more.
And uh, we'll talk in down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. I am not on OnlyFans, by the way. So Okay. Uh no no subscribing to Derek and OnlyFans no. yet. Uh no. you'll have to wait for that later. Time for Coach Bowles Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OHGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also check out the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, as always, pleasure uh, to hear from you, my friend. What's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group this week? Hey, we are um, – yeah, it's been a busy week. Still seeing new clients and uh, getting some new things done. We've come out of tax time, and now we're working with a lot of people who are um, – They've jumped, maybe they've jumped jobs or changed careers the last couple of gone through COVID. A lot of that stuff happened. And a lot of folks are, you know, they got a little pesky old 401k and they're going, what should I do with this? We can help you and can kind of tailor make some ideas, uh, personalize it for you and your needs. We ask a few questions, get to figure out what's what's best situation and how we can help you get it away from that old company and into something that's a little more suitable for health. And uh, we do it with no fees. We don't charge any fee to talk to you about it. You know, something to go through and say, hey, look, if you want some piece of advice or maybe some best practices, I would love to do that. We want to be your partner, OAGCast.com, OCounterAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, uh, plenty to discuss today. And where I want to start is uh, with Jordan Love. He uh, did an interview this week where he was saying that he was uh, he was very fortunate, happy that he got to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. And, uh now here we are, uh, fast forward four years since he was drafted um, there in the first round, and Aaron Rodgers ended up winning back-to-back MVPs. We didn't know if he was going to retire. You know, he wanted to play somewhere else. Ultimately, here they are. Uh, Aaron is now with the New York Jets uh, where he wants to be. The Packers get to, you know, reset themselves and and uh, go about it from here. and And – you know, with where the Packers are at in this rebuild mode and Jordan Love, Bo, finally getting his chance to be a starter here, uh, this is this is not a, a fair situation for Jordan Love to, to, to be in. The expectations compared to the reality of what they've given him to work with are, are, are not fair at all for what he's walking into here. I, I, I believe that. I believe that it's unfair to ask him – to come in, be the starting quarterback, and basically get something to work with. The reason it's unfair, he's going to be judged by this season because his contract is up. He got a one extension, but if he's going to get anything long-term, it's going to be based upon his performance this season. And, uh, it's it's crazy. I, I, I think that Packers are a bad situation because they obviously don't have Aaron Rodgers. And then but they didn't do a very good job of figuring out what's next at quarterback. This probably should have been done seasons ago. Not now. You don't draft the first years. That's just ridiculous. Right. It's not the the old way anymore uh, where no. you just have guys sit on your bench uh, for that long. With, with that said, Bo, um, is there any scenario where, you know, we sit back and with all that has gone through, let's say that if Jordan Love looks great um, and then you got the trade for Aaron Rodgers and you got the MVP seasons out of him, 
is there any situation where the Packers look smart in all this, or no matter what, do they look like they're cracking eggs on their head here? It's even if Jordan Love is an MVP quarterback, they're still dunces for what they've done. Just because the outcome is a good outcome doesn't mean they made a smart decision. I mean, there's a luck, some luck that would play into that a little bit. And I think that if you look at it, I, um, I'm not going to give any credit to the Packers. And what they did in the situation was terrible and was really just stupid. It's a stupid idea. And if Jordan Love is good, he bails them out. That's not because they made a smart idea. It's because he bailed them out. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, I think so. And and you look at where that Packers team is at, um, you know, that division, the Bears are going to be better. The Lions look really good. The Vikings are a solid team. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all, Bo, if they come in last in that division there. I think they're going to come in last. I I think the teams are, are in a better spot. I think the Lions are a contender. Bears are improving. I think that the Vikings' worst situation is their quarterback situation. There's a little bit of rebuild in there, but they are a better team on the field than the Packers are now. And I think we're going to see how much how Rodgers really has been when you see how bad they're going to be without him. If Jordan Love is good, but lesson. And the Packers better turn around and a whole shit ton of money because he's going to be worth it. They have any favors to Jordan Love. It's a terrible run franchise. We have talked about what they've done. Really and truly, they have not been a well-run for seven or eight years. Um, going back to, to me, maybe even longer, they handled Rodgers and Favre. Um, you know, I just think that this is a very situation. They don't have the one owner. And while we can talk about owners that meddle, I have a meddling owner than a group that can't make a decision. Right. And that's what's. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, he, he was in a unique situation, Jordan Love was, as we mentioned, where his fifth-year option, they gave him an extension uh, of his yeah. current contract for one year and – Basically, it's just like a fifth-year option, pretty much, uh, how yeah. it all worked out. But that kind of leads into the discussion. Pay him. They've opted to pay him more. Yeah, they didn't have to do that. Um, yeah. uh, kind of a reward of sorts, I guess, for having to sit on the bench like he did. Um, yeah. But with that said, Bo, uh, that kind of leads into our next discussion. You know, Last week, we talked about players that – uh, were given the fifth-year option and others that were declined. I want to go through some guys and talk about uh, potential trade destinations and who could be on the outs and whether it makes sense for a team to trade them or not. Let's go over some of these names. Starting with Chase Young, uh, his $17 million option was declined by the Washington Commanders, Number former, uh, former number two overall pick by Washington a couple years ago. I know that he's dealt with some injuries, hasn't played a whole lot the last two seasons, but the rookie year, he was a pro bowler, defensive player of the year, had seven and a half sacks, 
We know he's talented, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy here. Um, if I'm the commanders, Bo, unless it's some offer I can't refuse, um, I, I can't ignore the talent level of, of Chase Young there. I, I think they'd be silly to to trade off Chase Young, considering how talented he is, even if he's had these injury issues. Yeah, I, Chase Young is super talented. The bug is the issue. And I look at it and go, I can live with injuries when you have that much talent. Now, the commanders are going through a lot right now. New new, new coaching staff, new everything. Um, so I guess it's flexible in not having to pick up that option. And then maybe they work something out a little more out of Chase Young this season. I don't know. Um, they could always franchise him. You know, that's at the end of the year. Um, but I think that the best thing for for both parties, I don't think it was a terrible idea by the commanders. Yeah. Flexibility for them. For Chase Young, it's a prove-it situation. He gets out and plays as well as he can play, he'll be a massive freaking one because he's not just a talented player, but at a position that has a high a high a high um high cost. And that's a, a position teams need. Uh, every team needs edge rushers. And if you can find one as good as he is, and if he is staying healthy this just stay healthy this season, then he will he'll he'll bank it in the market. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh Patrick Queen with the Ravens, his uh twelve point seven billion dollar option was declined. Uh we heard Eric DeCosta say that they believe that he ought to be part of their plans there in Baltimore. They want him to stay. They think he's a pro bowl linebacker, even though he's never been to a pro bowl. Um, He's been kind of disappointing his first three years of the league. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been great either. He was much better in the second half last year, playing alongside Roquan Smith. Bo, uh, they remember they, they also drafted Trenton Simpson as well at a linebacker from, uh, from Clemson here. Weird messaging uh, going on from how Baltimore's handling this. And we saw what they did with the uh, Lamar Jackson situation. Th- they never make these negotiating things easy there in Baltimore, it seems. No, Baltimore is going to mess this up somehow. Now, look, I have some opinions on Patrick. I'll admit that. Um, Patrick, McQue- Patrick Queen has not been playing position since he's been in Baltimore. Patrick Queen has never been a rush guy. He's never been a linebacker. He's never been a Mike linebacker. Patrick Queen's been a safety. Patrick Queen is a safety. And it's where he should be playing. And what they've done is they play play him at linebacker in a nickel defense because he's a great tackle and he's an open field tackle. But what you're asking Quinn in that case is really be a spy on the QB. And that's what he's his college career and before that. Also, real blunt, Patrick Queen at LSU played around better players on defense than he has at the Baltimore Ravens. When you go back, I mean, it's he's had better DBs that he's played with, better. Um, you look at it and go, you expect this guy to play with less talent, and you're going to have him play with less talent, in my view, plus – Position he's never played before. Well, and and, and the Ravens have ruined him. 
that goes along with my point too, Bo. I don't think it was any coincidence that his play elevated and he was a lot better once Roquan Smith showed up halfway through the year this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because now he doesn't have to play as much. Look, Patrick Queen is a tackling machine. The problem is now he's not a he's not a good cover safe. He's not going to be able to put on uh, covering someone in motion or something like that. And the Ravens were thinking, the Ravens were thinking, well, let's move him up, let him be the spot a quarter because he can play sideline to sideline. That's just not ever been who he is. He plays up and down, back and forth. And I think a lot of it has been played more than how he's played. That makes sense. Right. Right. Uh, another LSU Tiger, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the Kansas City Chiefs, his $5.461 million option declined. Um no surprise at all with his lack of availability. He hasn't even played that great when he's been available. And Isaiah Pacheco was fantastic as a seventh round rookie this past year. You got Jarrett McKinnon also back as well there in Kansas City. Bo, I, I think that, you know, that that C C E H here, I think he can be a good he can still be a good running back. I think he's a very good receiver as well, but I mean, just some bad luck. It seems like he's had in Kansas City here. Uh, he, he he's a guy that, um, especially if he ends up getting released, and they're talking about potentially releasing him as a post June one cut. If he's sitting there in the free agent market, uh, like, or even if he's a, a cheap trade value of sorts, I'd be willing to take a chance on Clyde Edwards-Helaire simply just based on what he can do as a receiver here. I think he could really benefit from a fresh start somewhere else. I agree with you on that wholeheartedly. Um, it'll be no surprise. He's going to get caught. The injury bug early just sent him back. And then he is not a back. He is a he's a grinder. And we just don't see that many of those. Now it certainly doesn't fit his offense. I do think that he can go somewhere. He'll be your bell cow. But he's the guy who can help you late in the game, get your first downs, run the clocks out. You know, make defenses stay honest in the game. Um, he's a great committee back, if you ask me, in, in Clutter. Um, but the injury thing has got to be the issue. He's just not been healthy every season. And there's just not a whole lot you can do with that for the right. team. Yeah. Um, other linebackers. I feel like three, these three names, Bo, you could all slide into the same group. Isaiah Simmons, Kenneth Murray, and Jordan Brooks. Uh, Simmons with the Cardinals, Murray with the Chargers, Brooks with the Seahawks. I think all three are talented linebackers uh, that can have very good careers that uh, were worth their first-round picks. But the way the market is going of not necessarily wanting to pay these off-ball linebackers, I mean, do you really want to give – $11, $12 million in a fifth year. Some of these guys that uh, have had their injuries, their share of things here. I would expect all three of those guys to return to the teams they're at. But, I mean, from a financial standpoint, it doesn't make sense for any of them to be paying that type of money for for that position right now. Yeah, you know, on offense, we see that running backs are a dime a dozen. And there's 
little value at, at getting a running back unless you have to eat one. It's the same way at middle linebacker. Linebacker has become this overvalued um, or overvalued position now. It's just not needed as much because the game is so oriented. You're going to play five uh, five uh, defensive backs and so many rushing four. You have to have linebackers who are pass rushers back and play coverage, you just don't see traditional linebackers. Right. I'll give you an example. Guys like Mike Singletary and Ray Lewis wouldn't be today as useful as they were in their careers. Oh, yeah. It's just the nature of the position, unfortunately. If you look at the middle linebackers, they are guys who can spike play sideline to sideline, be the only linebacker. Yeah. You're the only – because what you'll see is, you know, four-man front linebackers, the second linebacker is covering a motion guy, a back, is rushing the quarterback. And you just don't see value in a guy who is, you know, just an older school gap gap run-stopping quarterback. uh, middle linebacker, just that much need more because of the way the game is played. I feel like Bo, and, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. Like we talk about the game changing and and the, like the difference in athlete. If I was coaching high school football, uh, then maybe I want I might want my best defensive player, you know, manning things at middle linebacker and just yeah. calling the shots and going where he needs to go. But in today's NFL, I need to put him in a position to go get that quarterback. And middle linebacker is not the best call for that. Yeah, you're you're if you're in the lower stages of football, high school football, yes. Or a guy who can fill space, who can go sideline to sideline, he's a middle linebacker. Went to college. That guy either needs to, needs to become a pass rushing outside linebacker. Or you have to get quick and drop back and be a safe. Right. And that's a hard thing to do to go from linebacker to safe. We see what Patrick Queen, the example used earlier, it's easier to go the other way, from corner to safety to corner. You never go from corner to safety. But if you're building your defense, and we'll, we'll see this with Houston, Texas, what they've done. This is a great thing we'll do first. You get, a, you get an, a pass rushing edge who's phenomenal, one DB who can lock somebody up. Right. Those are the, are the two most important positions. Ten years ago, it was middle linebacker and outback. Right. Again, the way the game has changed now. It, it, about you know, you, how would you deal with your best athlete? You know, preparing for college if you're a high school, have them be a pass rusher. Problem is, you do. The best player helps you win as well. Right. It feels like Bobby Wagner is kind of the last of that era of the, at that linebacker. Yeah. Um, um, I'm missing the linebacker from the Colts. Whose name escapes me right now? Oh, um, um, yes, I know who you're talking about. Is it uh, Darius Leonard? Darius Leonard, yes. Okay, Darius and Mario Davis. Are the two that I think of. That yeah. I think can, are, are kind of the new wave of Mike Linebacker. 
They're more about sideline spy the QB. And I think that's one of those two are the best two. Yeah. Um, but those are that's what you'll see more of. You know, these guys like I, I think all those guys you mentioned, and I especially like Isaiah Simmons, uh, they're just not that. They're a little more also would you if you the pass rush or or you're gonna have to only be able to use them successfully in first down or third and short. Right. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, a couple more yeah. names to bring up. These guys, their options were picked up, but the trade conversations still seem to be pretty loud at wide receiver. Okay. Gary Judy and Brandon Ayuk. The Niners, uh, eventually, they can't pay everybody. And the consensus seems to be that Brandon Ayuk is the one that's most likely to be the odd man out. And the Denver Broncos, same kind of ordeal. Can't pay everybody, especially with how much they're paying Russell Wilson. Jerry Judy's played a lot better as of late, but his career in Denver kind of started slow. Um, What about those guys here? I I think that um, if you're going to cut bait, if you're the Niners or or the Broncos here uh, on either guy, realistically, uh, definitely for San Francisco, I think probably for Denver, um, you should expect no less than a first-round pick for either one of those guys. I, I don't think you can get that. I don't think you can. Um, I I think Judy's going to be more valuable. I think that the improvement he's made from year to now is greater. I think some teams are going to look at and they're going to say he's a, a possible. This is what teams may possibly say. He's a product of the system. You know, mm. He's never been the guy where Judy, a lot of people think Judy can be the guy. I'm one of those who thinks that Judy can be an number one. I do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he has the pedigree. He's coming in as well. And I of look at his first couple of years. He had an injury, year two, and year one. They only run team. Right. So you look at that and go, well, he didn't have a good quarterback throwing to him, which Judy's never had, frankly. Um, and it's hurt for a season. It's like, okay, what do you got here? I, I think you're going to call you out of Judy. I don't think that either of them are getting a first-round pick. Uh, but you're not getting it. I can see a second, third. I do think if there's one that's a little more valuable than the other, it's probably uh, it's probably Judy. Yeah. That's the take away. I think that some teams are going to look at IU different. Kind of like Ayuk as well, in that he's done a lot of different things. So is he a guy that if you're I'll just throw a couple of mid teams out there, Jacksonville Jaguars, right? If you're the Houston Texans, um, your teams that are thinking, we need a weapon, we need a Swiss Army knife. Who could we for and who's probably a better fit? It's Ayuk, and he would be a good fit. Hey, yeah. The other place look at like a Detroit or the Bears. I mean, I'm thinking about the verge of being the top tier, like the Lamar, or their teams that are younger and they've made some good choices already. Right. I think I think Iuke, and you got to think about who the coach is now. Iuke to Jacksonville makes a ton of sense to me. 
And Calvin Ridley there now too. Yeah, and you and you got you got Doug Peterson in there who we've seen has done a lot of unique things with, with players. Right. I think that's a good fit. And I think that would be someone if I was then I would take a serious look at. Well, and, and Christian Kirk was fantastic this past season. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's that, watch out. That's a team I would look at. And there you can say, okay can give him money because their salary cap is not in hell yet. Right. Um, you know, I can be afraid to th- throw a pick out there. So you can go to a second-round pick and say, hey, give us him for a two. I the 49ers will take that. Oh, yeah. The 49ers think- are going to need pieces if they don't figure out this quarterback thing. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Um. So one of the things with the Jags was that they are going to have not one, but two games in London and over a back-to-back week stretch. Now, they're only giving up one of their home games to do it. Uh, But still, though, Bo, this continued thing with them in London every (laughs) single year and, and just how that's gone and even getting bigger on that, I mean, their home games had better attendance this year. They were a playoff team. Um, yeah. I mean, Con really wants this London thing, doesn't he? I mean, like Chad Con wants to move the Jacksonville Jaguars to London is bad, but he's not wrong. I mean, if you're thinking about it in a business term, he's not wrong. He takes the team from the 32nd biggest market in the NFL, and he could go to the number one in Europe. You know what English speaking? Right. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's and he's already got ends there. He has a he has a soccer team there already. He's already got relationships with fields and everything else they've done. It, it, it's he, been what like ten years now. When, when, I know, but aren't they going to do something? I mean, do one way or the other. Make up your mind. He desperately wants this. You can tell. He would volunteer to play the Jaguars there every year if he could. And he's going to. He's going to try like hell. If he's got two games there this year, he's going to try next year to get three. Um, that's just who he is. It's what he wants. He looks at that team, and he wants to be the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Giants or your most valuable teams. And the only way he can do that is to get that team out of Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And, and, that, and his son's already wasting billions of dollars on something stupid. So, uh, you know, it's if this guy wants to be who he wants to be, he wants to be that guy who walks in and, and for lack of a better term, is swinging his dick in the room when he's the owner of a, of, a, of a huge team and he goes to the owner meetings. And now with all these ownerships are now groups, but only Shad Khan owns the Jaguars. So, I don't know. I think that that's that's as much him just saying, eventually they'll do it, and I'll be the guy. I think for that to work, Bo, you pretty much have to have a whole division in Europe, right? You would need I agree. not just the Jags by themselves and not even just another team in England. You'd probably need four teams in Europe. I would think yeah. – Maybe maybe you go one in England, one in Paris, two in Germany, or two in England, one in Paris, yeah. one in Germany. I mean, like yeah. whatever your combination would be, 
you would need yeah. to limit travel to have a whole division out there and and the league would have to expand in the process too i would think bo that uh you would probably go to 35 or 36 teams if you're going to do that yeah i don't think you'll ever see another expansion at least not in you know a generation from now but i tend to agree you'd have to move that's why i think it's been the issue how do you put more teams in europe you know it would four teams in Europe draw the crowds they're drawing now? I don't think they would. I mean, I know they got, you know, like I know that in Germany last year, they had a million uh, requests for tickets. But there's a lot of Americans that live in Germany. There's German bases everywhere. They said, and, you know, our, our buddy TJ was there, and he said most of the people there weren't necessarily there to see the Bucks and the Seahawks. No, they were there to yeah, see Tom Brady yeah, and the National Football League. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's the same thing. I think the only difference in England, in London, is I think that there is something there with Jacksonville. That they, you know, they, they keep doing it, that'll become their team. That's what, again, is what Shad's doing. But I tend to agree with your thoughts. That how do you make that happen? Because well, it's hard to play road games both ways. I mean, even if you figure the closest teams to Europe, are the Patriots and the two New York teams. I mean, and, and Buffalo from there. So then you think, okay, how do you go back and forth? You can't. You can't. And you can't line up to where every time someone goes, they get a bye week after. Four. Right. It's just too difficult. I, I don't know how they can do the schedule that way. Um, it'd have to be through expansion. And, and again, I can see a team in Germany. I can see two teams in England. I can see a team in Paris. You know, I can see a team in Barcelona in the right situation. So I but then you gotta find the last expansion team cost a billion dollars. And that was the Texans, and that was how many years ago now? 20 years ago. It was 20, yeah. So now you look at it and go, how much would an expansion team be now? Who the hell has that much money? Yeah. Let's say, for instance, it was let's say it was four billion, okay. which is cheaper than what the commander, much cheaper than what the commanders are going for. So let's say it was four billion. How many people have that much money? Well, and now you're talking many, about a worldwide thing, and I think the money would show up. Well, well, then you got to think about then the people are thinking, is this practical business wise? It's different over over in Europe. That's going to be a whole different animal than it is here, right? You know, the the NFL is like church here. You know, the NFL is a blip on the radar, right? To the the, the citizens of those countries, you know, people who are visiting there or, or live there there for business, whatever. It's big because that's part of their their football religion, if you will, right? But the um, you know, if you go to England, they don't know who the hell. They couldn't tell you more than five, uh, most most British people. I might probably couldn't tell you more than five or six NFL team names. Yeah, they know they would know the, they would know Dallas Cowboys. They the know Raiders. the New York Jets. They know the Raiders, the they Steelers, the Patriots, and probably right now you know the Kansas City Chiefs because of probably, probably the Steelers and the that. Packers. Yeah, maybe those two as well. So I mean, let's, the let's Rams being from LA. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> no, 
Um, I, it, that would be it, that would be difficult. I don't know. I well, I, it, I, and I then know that if we we're talking that international what, expansion too, Bo, um, I don't think that Mexico City or Toronto would be off the table either. See, I think that's more likely than than going over to Europe right now. Uh, I can see Mexico City. I can see Monterey in Toronto. I can also see Montreal or Vancouver. Um, the Mexico the City Nashville, Jaguars. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the, the problem now with Toronto is I think the new owners from Buffalo have an understanding. There'll be no Toronto football team. That's too close right. to Buffalo. They put a lot of money team. They're putting money into a new stadium. I think there's kind of an understanding of no team in Toronto. I would see what my, I mean, if I was going to expand or if I was going to move teams around, it would have worked a lot easier when Buffalo, you know, four years ago was for sale and, um, you know, they had the ownership issue there and then there was, there was no stadium going to happen. So they were moving over to Toronto was something you could absolutely do. You could take a team and move them to Mexico. Whether it's Monterey, Monterey or Mexico City, I think Mexico City makes a ton of sense, um, and that would have been easy. That wouldn't have changed a whole lot. I mean, flights from flights from Mexico City to a Mexico uh, City LA, team would probably have to travel less miles than the Seahawks would right now. That's where I was going. It's like, yeah, I mean, or or the Dolphins, yeah. I was reading today that the Seahawks are still going to travel more than any team in the league without even playing an international game this year. Well, I mean, that's what you get me way up in the great Northwest, I guess. Right. But that's, yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is, but it, it, you can make that happen. I don't know. I, I think we'll see more North American expansion before we will see European expansion, but I do think if there is a one day on that, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years from now, the team that becomes the London team is the Jack. Yeah. Um, Amazon officially gets their Black Friday game they wanted. They also get it in the middle of the afternoon. Not a primetime game, but I think that's what they preferred was in the middle yeah. of the shopping day. And a pretty decent matchup, a, a divisional rivalry game between the Jets and Dolphins as well. And kind of taking a step back on that, we, we said from the beginning, Bo, that Amazon getting into this deal was a long-term strategy play about getting subscribers to Prime and growing Prime. There was going to be some growing pains initially, and there was this past year, but they're playing the long game, and this is going to pay off for them tremendously. And they're already yeah. seeing some benefits. Now they're talking, it sounds like Amazon's probably going to do like a six-race NASCAR package in, in their next TV contract. And we've heard the Pac-12 rumblings and all these other things here. Amazon is is, is finding their niche, finding their footing in, in, in the sports world. And this Black Friday thing, I think, is just brilliant. It's brilliant. And going to Black Friday is absolutely brilliant. Um, Amazon, I still think Amazon's going to be the largest company at some point. I think they're the one company that could pass out. Um, but it's brilliant because... They know the numbers. Every new Prime subscriber is $1,600. Of, uh, an Amazon shopper without Prime is only $500. Every new subscriber is $1,600. And if you keep them coming and get more and more and more, and the more you get used to it, the more you spend. 
I spent almost five grand on Amazon last year. It was like $4,400. Looked at all my statements. Couldn't believe it. But I thought about it. I looked back and thought, I bought every Christmas present that I gave to somebody. I bought stuff for my business. I bought all my business stuff through Amazon. I haven't been to an Office Depot, an Office Max in two, three years. And unless you need something Everything. immediately, why would you? And, and if you need, if you could want it the next day, a lot of stuff you can get the next day. I just ordered something from my house at seven o'clock tonight. It's eleven now. It'll be here in the morning. Yeah. And I'm in Kansas City. I'm not in New York City. I'm not in Chicago. If I, I'm in Lawrence, Kansas, if they can get to me the next day, I've come on. Amazon's doing something right. And this that's the whole gimmick. The gimmick. This is why I, I, the reason I think that, that uh, their owner um Jeff didn't Bezos. buy the Jeff Bezos didn't buy the, the commanders is that like you were saying, you've been saying for a while now, he wants to own Thursday. He's he knows the strategy. That's the strategy the whole time. It's get them by, get them on, get them by them. And now you look at Amazon's advertising in sports everywhere. They're going to have games on Prime. Get someone in the Prime. And it's, it's 1600 now. It's 2000 next year. Literally, I spent forty, dollars dollars $4,500 on Prime last year. It's brilliant. I, I just look at it that way and go, man, this is that's too easy. And it's such a great business model that no one else could pull on. Well, and, and uh, you know, they were the network that gets kind of left out on the on Thanksgiving, right? I mean, yeah. I guess ESPN as well. But, um, you know, Thursday is supposed to be their night. NBC gets the primetime game instead of them uh, in that TV package. But, I mean, they're going to pay less money for that Black Friday game than what the other three networks are paying for their Thanksgiving games and they're directing traffic to their site on Black Friday, they yeah. might actually end up in better shape rather than they, paying for the primetime Thanksgiving game. Yeah, well, we've already talked a lot about how a lot of these, um, how the streaming services are having issues, how everybody who's buying TV rights for sports is having a ton of problems. They're they're not they're not good. They're not they don't know how to monetize sport. Right. You know, ESPNs have look at the problems ESPN's going through because of that. They have every goddamn thing you could have, but they can't make any money on. They're the they're the least was it the least profitable part of, of Disney? Yes. Um, and there is no nobody can monetize this except for Amazon. The only other places that I could try would be Walmart. How would Walmart put it on TV? The only could be big enough. And then if Apple really wanted to, but then they would have to have some kind of piece to that too. And how do you direct sell from Apple? I mean, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's how do you sell so much on your phone? Right? You know, the bigger things you're going to buy on Amazon. It's it's a such a unique situation, and that's the one piece that they can take whatever rights they want. They're going to make money, right? And it's not from selling advertising. Right, right. Because if you watch Amazon, we talked about this before too. When you watch a game on Amazon, what is every other commercial? Prime. Prime. It's Amazon. It's product placement for you to watch and say, I like that. I'm going to go buy that. That's the next phase. The next phase is saying, 
click on this during the Amazon commercial to see about this part of the commercial. Well, and they didn't do a whole lot of it this past year, but you know, a lot of it, they were just trying to get their ducks in the row for the broadcast. I mean, in the future, like the first down line presented by, you know, the, the, the Halloween spirit section on Amazon, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be something like that. I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see some shit on there. We haven't seen before. It's going to be things like where you're going to see the barcode, scan the barcode to learn more about, the products or this or whatever, or do you want to learn more about AWS? Scan this, and and that's what we're going to see. Oh, you're exactly right. It's going to be it's going to be something like you'll pop up that little barcode and be like, "Listen, you buy this shit now, you get like twenty percent off." That was exactly where I was going, Tom. Yeah, is that that's the thing? It's it's, it's then they can partner with somebody who can supply this, and you're right. Hey, scan this and get twenty percent off this purchase right now at Amazon. They're yeah. gonna partner with Rex MD. <laughs> um, well, you know, like the we've seen more networks are doing like the side by side commercials. Yeah, so we're gonna stay on the field thanks to AWS. You know, and yeah, you, you know where you, you know where else we see that. You know where we see that first before we we see a little bit of it in sports right now. If you're a fan of wrestling, it's everywhere. Oh, my God. They do that shit every hour of every show. So you have the regular commercials. And then there's the commercials that they're selling, that the company's selling as part of their rights that they get to keep. They're using that in split screens. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's... It, Motorsports has done that for a long time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's a great place. Yeah, those are the two places that do it and best. Golf. Yeah, I guess another one, yeah. But you don't see it in the big four yet or in college sports yet, but it's coming. Right. CBS does it, like, for timeouts, but mostly just, like, a yeah. third second timeout or something, you know, not anything major. Well, if you notice, one of the things they did this year in college basketball, scan the QR code for the tournament update, you know, for the tournament bracket app, that kind of stuff. That's where I was thinking, wait a minute, this is what's the next, starting to think two and three steps ahead. Yeah. And that's where it comes from. Remember uh, the big deal, the last thing about that, remember the big deal everybody made about the Super Bowl commercial that you had to scan the app? Yes. Or scan the QR code? That's where the idea comes from, for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's brilliant, uh, for sure. Yeah. And- Amazon's the best. And we mentioned uh, the NASCAR stuff of them talking to Amazon about a TV deal. There you go. Same type of thing of the, we're not going to go to commercial during the, uh, the green flag lap because Amazon's going to let you keep watching the race. You know I mean? Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, Amazon they're, runs a banner. Fair. Yeah. Amazon runs a banner ad. And that's why you also won't see Amazon in car ownership in NASCAR. Yeah. There's a lot of those people who could get involved in that. They're just not. Right. Because they're going to go to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. While everyone else is running away from in, in football, everyone's trying to get into ownership. Amazon said, we're the one people who can flip this and go better going into the right speeds. Right. And yeah, they're, they're, it's good. Yeah. It's brilliant. Incredible. Um, do we have a gambling problem in sports right now? Uh, we're, we're, 
I mean, I, I know that this is primarily a football segment, but kind of taking two steps back what? here just as a whole right now. Um, we knew about the reports of the Alabama baseball coach within the last you know week or so and the you know state of Ohio uh you know cracking down on that and the connections there ultimately leading to his firing. And then the Iowa Athletic Department reports about 20 players being investigated, uh, primarily football players, but also other sports. Iowa State, 15 players, primarily football, but other sports. We know about what went on with the Lions organization, with their players. They got suspended uh, several weeks ago. And, of course, Calvin Ridley uh, last year, who we were talking about earlier. Uh, Bo? What do you make of everything that's going on right now? My okay. my my point, I'll, I'll say this real quick and, and see what you think and let you take everything from here. I, I would say that the, the silver lining, and maybe I'm overly optimistic, I don't know, is that because of the legal sports betting going on that and these this stuff going on in the States, you're able to crack down on this stuff more. You pro- you had these guys betting offshore before and didn't and they weren't getting caught. Whatever, I would argue that maybe it's 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 not a it's not a bigger problem than it was before. That I I would say that guys are just getting caught more than they have before because of the way technology set up with with the way we bet now. All right, I want to do college first. Okay, I don't. I I somewhat agree, somewhat disagree. Um, I think that the biggest problems are, let me and let me ask a question before I get into this. In the state of Iowa, in particular, is sports gaming, gaming legal? Yes. On your phone? Is it legal on your phone? Yes. Okay. I know they had the sports books, but if they had the, the, yes. so the here's, where I, here's where I see a prop. Okay. In the NFL, they have come out and said, well, I should work NFL work back and shit. So the NFL, they've said, here are the rules. You may not bet on the NFL. That's not new. You may use your phone and gamble on other items. That's fine. But you can't do it. And if you know the Lions situation, you can't do it at the facility. Right. Okay. So... I understand what the Lions players. I didn't quote last week when you mentioned it. I kind of brushed it aside because I was learning more about the situation right. and what had happened. And I had to do more research and hearing some things from reliable sources here. I my understanding is that the guys. Okay, Ryan Stilton. No, no, no. Um, if the, the the Lions players specifically, they were all gambling on college basketball. So I'm going to give you a scenario. You and I, if we work together and we work in an office and you're talking trash about your college and I'm talking trash about my college and we're going, man, I'll bet you 50 bucks that I'll bet he'll say something like, I'll bet $50 right now that LSU does as good as KU does in the next bracket or in tonight's games or whatever it might be. Well, your buddy goes, well, how I know you're going to pay me tomorrow. You know, you're going to do some bullshit like you used to or you always do. I'll put it, we'll do it now. I believe in my team and and you play both place your bets. That happens at the office, doesn't it? Yes. How's it not going to happen in the NFL locker room when, let's say it was, I'm just thinking of players that I can think off the top of my head. I know where they go to school. Jamison Williams, 
Did he get in trouble for this? Yes. Where'd he go to school? Alabama. Alabama. They were a top team in this tournament, weren't they? So look, Jim Williams is jawed with somebody, and maybe it's a a player that maybe that player played in Georgia, and their rivals already. Oh man, you know the SEC tournament's coming up. We're gonna dominate this in Alabama, boy. And then you go, no, man, man, my Bulldogs are gonna pull something off here. You watch, and all of a sudden you're talking back and forth, and you make that little deal. It's no different in the NFL locker room than if it wasn't your office. All right, it's just two guys talking. Unfortunately, the rule says you can't do it in the locker room. You can't do it on the grounds. But if you go across the street, you can. If you got a quick trip across the street from the from the Lions uh, facility, it would be legal for them to go over there and place the bet, but not in their own locker room, not anywhere in the facility, not walking around in the parking lot. You're on with your buddy. You're even in the parking lot talking about as you get in your car and you decide to place the bet. That's where, with the Lions thing, I don't think it's that bad a deal. I think it's something that the, the NFL needs to talk to these players more about and say, here are the rules. Here's what you can and cannot do. Because the argument also is, hey, you can't be telling us not to gamble when one of your sponsors is a gambler. Gambling company. I mean, look at New Orleans. They got the goddamn name on the stadium. Right. In Detroit, you can't go, you can't go, you can't throw a stick and not hit two signs for MGM. Right. I mean, yeah. What do you want them to do? It's no different than you and I at work or anywhere or anybody else like that. You I understand the need for some rules. Right. And maybe that's you got to turn in your gambling, you know, you got to upload your documents every three months or every year or whatever. Got no problems with that. But don't tell me that I can't do it talking to my buddy in the locker room after practice. Yeah. Then we got to go across the street. We, you ain't leaving your work and going across the street to do it. Right. I don't, I don't see a big deal in there. So yeah. on the college side, I have a couple of problems, a little different for me on college. Okay. The college players, they're not regulated on this. Yeah. And every state's different. The NCAA doesn't have a model. They just basically say, don't bet on yourself. I mean, if I'm in Iowa, if I'm in Kansas, if I'm in any of these states that have these, these apps, there's more of them in states every, every, every few months, that seems like. Right. The players are going to use them. People are going to use them. If, as soon as they turn 21, they're going to use them. Some of them use them before they're 21. There's ways around it. But you cannot expect these guys to not have that ability and not use them. It's the same as when there was starting to be casinos popping up around the country. When they used to be they were all in Atlantic City and all in Las Vegas. But then we started getting them on Native American properties. And then we started getting them in St. Louis and New Orleans. And, and now they're in Minnesota. They're everywhere now. It's no different. There was an they, they were called an epidemic back then. Got to think about who you got here. You got eighteen to twenty-two year old kids, most of them. You got to tell them, okay, these are the rules, and here's what can and cannot be done. The biggest thing I would do if I was the NCAA on this is I would say, no player under our 
watch can be a part of any sort of, if they're under the age of 21 years old, they could not be a sort of any sort of deal with any gambling, gambling company, anything like that. Um, I'd also include, frankly, paid fantasy sports. If there's money involved, and then you can come out and say, here's our message. But at 21, you got to be able to gamble legal, especially the way we've got conferences that have deals with gambling companies. We have teams and universities that have, that have hey, look, it's only a matter of time before we see a draft banner at Allen Fieldhouse. Right. Come. It's coming. So you're gonna have to make you're gonna have to make strict rules. And I mean the college kids, because you're looking at under 21. That's the way I would enforce that. I would say, look, this is illegal in all these states anyway. We're gonna treat this the way this should be treated in that way. But if you're over 21, respond gamble responsibly. Yeah. Don't bet on you, don't bet on your own team. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, last but thing, then I, I would make them. I would make them share that information with us as well. Though. That's yeah. how you check. Right. Yeah. Last yeah. thing. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll end on this. Uh, Pac-12 update. Um, the Pac-12 clock uh, clock to midnight continues to get closer and closer. The latest update we've heard is that um, the Big Ten doesn't want to take. Oregon and Washington rogue with the idea that they do not want to be held liable, responsible antitrust lawsuits if the Pac-12 were to fold after taking USC and UCLA already, and that the Big 12 is continues to talk specifically to Colorado and Arizona, and then the TV deal side of things, ESPN out of first-tier negotiations, apparently still interested if they can get it for pennies on the dollar here, Bo, every week it gets worse and worse for the Pac-12 here. I mean, it's – I've not heard a good news update for this conference in a very long time. No, it's it's the game that can't shoot straight. I mean, it's just – it's awful. They, they, get, they have no good news at all. I mean, it's you got teams want to leave. You got uh, – and now you're basically holding them hostage, saying we're not going to let you go – if if you leave, talking about Oregon and in, in, in Washington, if you leave, we're going to sue you that you're going to that you violated antitrust agreement. They're not going to win that first off, but yeah, we're going to sue gonna, the Big Ten. We're going to sue. Fox we're going to sue as well. Yeah, but we'll, we'll all sue a lot of people, and we'll get some money out of settlements for somebody. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, um, but I yeah, the, the Pac-12 it's got a lot of issues here, and. They're holding those two, you know, Oregon, Washington hostage. They can't figure out what they're going to do with the with, this, with the uh, with the, the rights for the, the TV rights. Um, you know, it looks like ESPN is out now. It's going to make Fox Fox Sports is going to bid less. I mean, they don't have the monetary way of making money off it other than the ad space. And right. they don't have the Fox is already out themselves. So, so they're out, and ESPN's out. That leaves you at Apple. It leaves you at Amazon, and and the CW, I did hear, yeah, I did hear that. I did hear that. The CW and and Apple were the two that I was hearing. Yeah, I the Pac-12 is in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's sick. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, because they're going to lose those teams. They're going to negotiate some way out of it. I mean, but 
everyone's going to have to chip in when it's all done. It's going to be more expensive than Oklahoma and Texas. Well, and, and uh, let's say, uh, for an example, if Colorado and Arizona leave, if you're Oregon and Washington at that point, you're saying, get me out of here. Get me off yeah. the island. You know, I'll take yeah. a reduced fee or whatever it may be just to get out of here and get to the Big Ten. Yeah. Then it's Jover. Yeah. Well, I still think it's going to be hard for to get someone to take reduced fees. I, I get where you're coming from. I don't disagree with the sentiment, but I think that you don't want to set that precedent. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Um, that's dangerous to me. But um, I do think that's going to be a lot of the thought is how do we get out of here? That, that starts out of thinking of, okay, how do we do this? Um, just make sure we don't make this mistake. Right. Yeah. It, that The Pac-12 is its own life support. Yeah. Um, and then we hear Notre Dame is wanting $75 million from NBC. Uh, sounds like reports are they'll likely get or more so around $60 million. Notre Dame, though, such a popular commodity and the control they have in college athletics. I mean, unlike the Pac-12, they got leverage here because if they're not going to get the, the money they want from NBC, there's going to be other networks that would still be interested in Notre Dame. And then there's also the Big Ten option out there where they could just go ahead and say, you know what, let's take $100 million instead here. Notre Dame is in a lot better position than the Pac-12 is. Yeah, it depends on if someone comes through for that money, though. If not, they're going to be headed back to the Big Ten. Um, I look at it and go, okay, so how much Notre Dame is Notre Dame currently getting? $15 million. Yeah. I remember it was 15. I thought it was about 15. And they want 75. So that's a five, an increase of 500%. Right. Um, well, five times. Not really 500%. I'm a financial budget. I know future value numbers. Uh, but anyway, um, if you look at it that way, you go, okay, you want five times that revenue. I think their revenue's already hurt a little bit because they're going to have some of their games on NBC already. Or on Fox with this new in with the because they're already playing Big Ten teams, right? They always have a couple of them on their roster. Right. They don't make any money from their road games. Yeah, so if they're you're going to sit, you know, those six games are going to end up being, you know, USC is going to be off that. Um, you're going to have there's no Michigan on that schedule or Michigan State on that schedule anymore. Those home games are going to end up being against lesser competition, and that's going to be an issue. Because who's going to turn into Notre Dame Navy? Notre Dame Army. Right. You know, even BYU and um, um, the teams like Clemson's been on their schedule for the last couple of years. They're going to be, they're going to have their TV rights people saying, no, 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 no. Be with us or don't be with us. We're right. Not let I you mean, if they don't join the Big Ten, the Big Ten has every right and reason to say, if they're not coming here, you can't play them. That's right. And that's what's going to happen with everybody else. Yes. Yeah, so Notre Dame's home games are going to be, again, it's going to be um, you know, directional schools who want to pay off. It's going to be, you know, um uh the, the service academies, that kind of stuff. You know, right. where they're just they're gonna take they're gonna take the one or two million dollar payoff they're gonna get for playing that game. Yeah. It's interesting for sure. Bo, we're out of time. Appreciate it as always. Thank you.
And uh, what's coming up on the podcast? Oh, man, we got to catch a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about this gambling stuff. We're going to get into that pretty quick and I think pretty deep this weekend on it. Uh, we're going to be recording late in the week. So it'll be a Saturday release this week. Um, but what I think we're going to do is um, we're going to talk a lot about the gambling stuff. Some of the stuff we kind of hit on, I'm going to go more in depth into. Looking forward to it. Bo, uh, have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk next week. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right, before we go, time for our top foolery story of the week. Thomas Prince is standing by to tell us something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we go to this time? Jones, you know, when it comes to Tom Fuller, we like to say somewhat local. And, you know, we dabble in the Florida man type things. You know, that's where a lot of our stories come from. And like I said, if they don't come from there, then most likely they come from our home state of Oklahoma. However, this is not the case, Jones. We are crossing borders today. We are going to the next area, the next round. We are we are crossing the border, but not in the way that the listener might think, baby. We are going to can oh Canada. Oh, not Canada. Not Canada. No, no, no. But this has some very Cancun vibes to Canada. Vice News article, man arrested after opening heroin, coke, and meth store in Canada. Jerry Martin says he hoped the drug stores, says he opened the drug stores to give people access to safe and reliable supply of fentanyl-free drugs. It's very weird. The Vancouver man who opened a store selling heroin, meth, and coke and MDMA was arrested less than 24 hours after launching the business. Jerry Martin opened the drugstore, a mobile shop, in the downtown east side. What? In the downtown east side of Wednesday, a neighborhood that has been ravaged by the overdose epidemic. He said he wanted to give people a safe supply of drugs, though those drugs have been tested to ensure that they didn't contain fentanyl. Jones, Canadian police see you, you get more famous, and they let you go for a petty crime. Are you accepting it, or are you going to jail? Ooh. I think I'm... A Canadian jail must be super nice. They gotta be very friendly, eh? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like they, I, I'm getting out. Have... I, I'm taking the opportunity to get out of there. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's still jail at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter how you do it. Article goes on. Police say they started gathering evidence after the suspects started selling cocaine, crack, meth, and heroin out of a mobile trailer park to park near Main and Cordova streets. We support measures aimed at improving public safety for people who use drugs, including human harm reduction services and decriminalization. Constable Tania Visitin said in a press release, however, we remain committed in our position that drugs and doing so and doing drug trafficking will continue to be a part of the subject. Jones... I get the tag. I get the, I get the little tag there from uh, 
from old. Uh, oh, I'm trying to find it. I almost said Nancy Pelosi, but I don't think she said that. But um, you know, I'm looking at a website. I don't know who said that. It was Katy Perry. But regardless, another one. Martin told Vice News that that Wednesday that we he it wasn't his plan to go get arrested. He also wants a launch party and constitutional change around the U.S. landmark. Um, multiple other things of like, hey, this guy's like trying to hit on this next door neighbor because he sent her about 50 million pictures. <laughs> wow. I don't know what to say. No, I really don't either. <laughs> At this point, like, it's like, okay, like, what did you, what did you think was going to happen? Just because it's in Canada, you think that was going to fly? I'm more interested in how many people showed up and bought their goodies. And then if the government tracks them somehow. Well, you, I mean, it's the government, so of course they're tracking. Right. Jones? To make a quick buck, are you doing weed, coke, acid, and lo- Dungeons and Dragons hosting a uh, Magic the Gathering? Uh, I- I'm I'm gonna pass, but that does sound like a hell of a time. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. But I know you're also gonna have a great time, right? I mean, uh, the the Dungeons and Dragons, like that's just the icing on the cake. I mean, yeah. They, um, actually, my friend was trying to get me to play A1, um, or really, I guess, A ass, ass, ass cheek one. Um, but, you know, at the same time, stood her ground, did whatever she needed to do. If my credit would have been higher, I bet you I could have got this car for 23. But I can't stand looking while I've been mugging that mirror that long. So, right. Oh my gosh. So, what, all those things that you mentioned, like cocaine, weed, um, Dungeons and Dragons, what else am I missing? I mean, that sounds like a heck of a time. It'd be a very dangerous time is what it would be. Yeah, I wouldn't advise it. It'd be fun, though. Right? Right? Yeah, that's... uh, That sounds like a wild time and uh, a lot of consequences to go with. Uh, Canadian prison, though. I I would think, Tom, like, if, if you were to power rank prisons in the world... I would guess the Canadian prison is going to be pretty high. I would think that the Canadian prison is probably going to treat you better than most. Just a thought out there. So there you have it. Uh, Tom Fullery this week. Thomas Bridges, Tyler Jones here. Uh, Thanks for joining us as always. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox. Twitter at uh, studio underscore soapbox. 
uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Instagram, Jones underscore reports, uh, also Instant Thomas, Tyler Jones Live. Find us, follow us. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, appreciate you all joining us. We'll uh, see you right back here next week. Thomas Bridges, Coach Bo, our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Sing so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next time.